You're listening to the Synergy Leadership Podcast, a discussion with engaging, empowering, and enlightening leaders about the greatest competitive advantage in business and entrepreneurship that often goes unrecognized, a team's energy. Here's your host, the woman who puts the energy in Synergy, Karen R. Jenkins. I'm Karen Jenkins, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Synergy Leadership. Today, I'm honored to have a wonderful and special guest, Mr. Travis McNeil, who is our new executive director of Oliver Gospel Mission. And I don't want to belabor this. I really want to jump in and have Travis introduce himself to you so that we can kind of delve down to his experience and see what we can learn today. So Travis, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Karen. I so much appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule to be here. So Travis, as executive director of Oliver Gospel Mission, can you please introduce yourself and reintroduce the Oliver Gospel Mission to our listeners? Wow, introduce myself. So um, I'm a native of North Augusta, South Carolina. I love saying that, especially since I work in South Carolina now. Uh, Over all these years, uh, I have... uh, you know, I grew up there in North Augusta. I've lived across the river in Augusta for quite some time. I consider that whole area they call the CSRA my home. My parents live there. I still have uh, siblings that live there, aunts and uncles and all of that. Uh, I do have a brother that lives in Lexington and, uh, and I'll, I'll kind of throw in there the, uh, the, the team, uh, uh, I guess, love. I, I've always been a Gamecock fan. So my family and I have been coming up to Columbia ever since I was a little boy. Uh, and I'll just kind of jump, jump forward a little, little bit. A lot of people don't know this. I, I, we did live in Columbia uh, for one year. I worked at North Trenton Baptist Church, and then God uh, really, I guess, only wanted us to stay there a short time a year and called us back to our home church in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, we have two sons. They're 23 years old and 26 years old. Uh, they're both in the ministry, uh, so that's a little bit of a nutshell. Uh, and so what's next? Ask me. So you want me to tell you a little bit about Oliver Gospel, I guess? Yes, just a little bit. Um, well, obviously, uh, I, was, I was contacted uh, by Jim Hudson, as a matter of fact, who has uh, a long history and a great love for this ministry here. And uh, actually had a relationship with him uh, from my former uh position at Golden Harvest Food Bank as executive director in Augusta. So from that relationship, uh, Jim just asked me one time if I would ever consider coming to Columbia to lead Oliver Gospel. So that that's a huge question, of course, and I take that seriously. Um, I, as I say, I've been coming to Columbia all of my life, and so Oliver Gospel was a new name or something new to me I mean, and when he when he mentioned that, I immediately knew what it was, and I also knew that it had been here a long time. So, one of the first things that I would say if I was standing up at a chamber event, or if you asked me as we were riding up an elevator, or if you asked me at church or something, um, I, the first thing that I would say is, "Well, Oliver Gospel uh, has been here for 132 years on the corner of Taylor and Assembly Street uh, since 1888." Uh, established by Reverend Robert Oliver. Uh, he had a passion 
to make a difference, make an impact uh, through the gospel uh, and life change of individuals in need. And I would say as a whole, the individuals in need that we serve are the homeless, homeless men, homeless women, homeless children, uh, is where that has developed over these 132 years. That is phenomenal. And, and we're so glad that Mr. Jim Hudson reached out to you because from meeting you, from talking to you, it is apparent to me that you are truly an asset wherever you are. And we're just so blessed that God planted you here with us in our community to help our, not only just our homeless community, but just to add value to, to our community in general. So you, you mentioned that you were leading the Golden Harvest Food Bank. So ministry is totally in your DNA. And you've also been the pastor at, at several churches. Help us understand or explain to us how these experiences have shaped you into making you a better leader that is able to serve the community today. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's really interesting. You know, when you go to seminary, and a lot of people don't understand maybe seminary and how long that degree is. So you, you graduate from college and you're young, right? And then you go to seminary, which most full seminary degrees are, is a three-year master's degree. And so when most people graduate, they're tops 24, 25 years old. Okay, if they've kind of gone along everything in a perfect way, unless you're like my son who was on the fast track and he has his master's of divinity at 23. But I'm gonna mention that because that kind of helps put all of this in perspective. It, uh, I've thought of this many times and I've had this conversation with many leaders. In the church, it's an interesting place where you can immediately, or you are immediately thrown into a leadership position, essentially when you are 23, 24, 25, 26 years old. That, whether you're the pastor or an executive team leader, leader on a, a church staff. Uh, in my case, I was a worship leader at, lar at a large church. And whether it's at the large church or even that first church, my first church in the big setting, First Baptist Taylorsville outside of Kentucky when I was in seminary, that was a good sized church. That was a church of 300 people. I, that's considered a large church today. I had a big choir. I had a pretty good sized congregation, a nice size staff, a youth ministry, and all of this. I am the leader. <laughs> and I, I'm really laughing because I'm expected to be a leader in that situation. But when I look, I'm 57 years now old now, and I look back and I led the best that I could at that time with the limited experience that I had. Looking back now and then even looking forward, what I have learned is uh, leadership gets better and better and better year after year. And I think that happens through experience, but it also comes through intentional uh, intentionality and, and intentional drive. Uh, what do you expect from yourself? How do you want to grow as a leader? What do you, what do you read? Uh, how good of a listener are you? Um, how non-selfish are you? Are you looking to grow others? Are you looking to grow yourself? Um, I think, you know, these are things that 
make you a better leader uh, as you move along. Uh, and I guess what I'm saying is one of the things that I've learned is time, time and experience uh, makes you a better leader every day. That's awesome. So you've been a leader in the church. You've been a leader at a nonprofit, a, a food bank. And now you are a leader here in, in the capital of, of the state of South Carolina, in Columbia. Coming in, you didn't know anyone or you knew people, but you hadn't built relationships. Um, I was very impressed with the number of people that you have already met in such a short period of time. And you didn't let the, the concrete or anything go up under your feet because you knew that in any circumstances, I, I guess we, we, I like to say your net worth is based on your network. And it doesn't necessarily your, your pocket net worth, but your value to the community. And it sounds like you have come in in a very short period of time and, and leveraged your positive energy, your giving energy, your leadership energy uh, to engage the local community. Share with me some of the strategies that you employed to leverage not only the energy that you had, you had to bring that to your team, you had to bring that so they had to believe in your new vision and kind of where you wanted to take all of the gospel mission. But let's look at that from an internal as well as an external factor. So talk to us about the internal side of how you did it, making the connection with your team and, and, and letting them see that you are a true leader and not one that sits behind the, the desk in the ivory tower, but one that is on the grounds, you know, rolling up your sleeves, doing exactly what they're doing but also how did you leverage that to make connections in the community? I know that's a loaded question, but I had to get it out. No, I, I get it. Um, first of all, I believe that our organization or an organization like ours, I mean, whether it be in this city or another city, a nonprofit like ours, and there's many, uh, if you're gonna be in this kind of work, uh, you need it, it, it needs to be as one of your goals and uh, values that this organization must be known in the community. Um, it must be a community player, a collaborator. Um, you can't just sit back and keep your doors closed and hide under a rock. So um, I knew that, uh, that, that, I know that that's important for this organization. And so therefore I wanna lead that way. So I have to lead by example. Uh, I, I think in order to get out there and be this representative uh, for your organization, you've got to have that within you as a person. I mean, God's got to have created you that way. Uh, I do believe that God created me that way, that those are some of my um, leadership and personality gifts, I believe. Uh, so I utilize those uh, to my advantage. Uh, I think if you're a person and, and you don't have these gifts, and in order to be in the community and be making connections with people that you do not know, and you're trying to open new doors every day, and, and that's just not you, uh, I think we all know this. I mean, this can be, it can be draining. I mean, you can go home and just feel like you've been completely drained. Um, I, I, and I don't think that necessarily has to do with introvert and extrovert. I think an introvert can be an incredible, great leader. Uh, 
and and still be able to do that. Um, I'm just I think I think I am an extrovert and I have that gift. Uh, uh, the Strengths Finder test actually has a word that they use for that, uh, and I do believe in that book and believe in that test. Uh, I like to take my leadership teams through that book. Uh, it's called Woo W O O. That's a name that they have for it, a terminology Woo. So uh, one of my top three strengths as a leader is Woo, which means I like to talk with people. I like to get out there, um, and I will say with that, it just doesn't happen. Okay. You can be the greatest wooer in the world, but it has to be it has to be intentional. Um, you, you have to try. It, it takes a lot to get in touch with people today uh, with email and cell phones and trying to get in touch with them. And uh, my uh, executive coordinator, Danielle, uh, I, I rely on her greatly. Uh, I could not get in touch with all of the people if it just depended on me. Uh, so we kind of have a plan, um, it, especially in these early days, uh, even during COVID. I mean, I've been able to do a lot. We've been able to do a lot uh, through the Zoom. Uh, I mean, I, I know most of us, we hate the Zoom, but uh, I've tried to embrace it and u- utilize it to the best of our ability, especially during this COVID time, uh, and have been able to get in touch with so many people and create, at least begin those relationships. I truly believe that that relationship is going to build uh, by having in person. That's why I was so glad that you and I, uh, and, and I think you and I really connected in a way that we could probably talk 15, 20 minutes about how uh, you can you can't put your finger on what it is, but when you sit on a couch with someone and sit and talk, and the body language and and you're transparent and uh, break down some walls. Uh, that's where the relationship really starts. Um, and I've even had, you know, in my board meetings that we have, I have a running Excel sheet, or Danielle does, my assistant, uh, so that we're keeping up with the, all the people that I'm beginning to have relationships with. Uh, because quite frankly, it is so many, uh, I have to go back and look at that. Yeah. Uh, but that's part of my job. Actually, it's in my job description. Uh, I want my board to know these are the people, and, and we provide that Excel sheet in as a part of my board packet uh, that our board can see, hey, these are the people that Travis has been meeting with because chances are a lot of my board know who maybe a lot of these people are, and and uh, the, when that comes up in their conversations, you know. But, uh, and, you know, and you talked about internally, so our team, our team also know, knows that that's an important thing for our organization. And so we've been rebuilding that culture here. So it's, it's not just enough for me to do it. It's when the leader of the organization then gives his or her team members, all of them, not just leadership team, everybody, uh, that we're building a culture of Oliver Gospel reaching out to others. And guess what? Now I'm beginning to hear that on the streets. Uh, with new people that I'm meeting in organizations in this nine times out of 10. Now people, when I meet with them, they're telling me, Oh, Oh, well, yeah, I've already, I've already heard. I've already seen this, or I've already actually been in touch with one of your team members. Um, And I'm really hearing this or hearing that. So I love, I love that when that's beginning to happen. That is so phenomenal. And I love, so the strength finder, I have to go back and find that I did a couple of years ago. So I, 
I know I want to go and look and do a comparison. I'm sure there's some similarities there. So talk a little bit about in your role, of course, you talk about the woo factor, about consistently building relationships and going out talking to people. And I think some people, if you're not a war, right, everybody doesn't have that skill set. But in business, everybody has to have a relationship building strategy because you can't be a man or a woman on an island by yourself and, and expect to make it. But I know a lot of people are a little hesitant to reach out to people because they're afraid of a no right? They're afraid of the rejection or not being able to get through. Talk to us a little bit about your persistency and, and what you have done to not necessarily take it personal when, when things aren't happening the way that you want it to or fa as fast as you want it to, or you're not able to reach the people that you want to. Yeah, I tell you what, that is a great thing to bring up uh, for anyone that's in leadership or sales. Um, because being told no can be such a discouragement to many people. I believe that's why the, the director of development within nonprofit organizations has one of the shortest tenures. Uh, I think it's just over a year, one point something years for the average development director of a nonprofit. I think that's why it's so low is because that one piece can get so discouraging. Some people just can't handle that. Uh, but the honest truth is, is that you're kind of pointing to, it is part of it. This, there's not a person in nonprofit work that will ever tell you, boy, this, this, get into this kind of work. This, this is a cakewalk. <laughs> uh, um, this is easy. No, uh, number one, managing your team, creating vision, uh, moving the ship forward, uh, making impact, doing something that is real life-changing, uh, and being able to, uh, you know, keep your budget up and and even keep that budget moving forward every year. Um, there's going to be a lot of no's in there, uh, but there's also going to be a lot of yeses. Uh, honestly, I mean, even at the organization I came from, Golden Harvest. Uh, and here at Oliver Gospel, uh, if I had to weigh the no's with the yeses, I would say the yeses way outweigh the no's. And I mean, I could go home every day with all of these challenges and maybe things that are happening in programming and, and challenges with, you know, within our, our team members and, what, and the challenges they're enduring or having to, you know, to, uh, to go through. But at the end of the day, while I think the, the yeses way outweigh the noes, and, uh, and I, I've also looked at it this way, even biblically, I truly believe, especially in our work, and I saw it this way at the food bank also, uh, by my asking someone to do something or to volunteer or to think about giving of their time or their resources or helping me or serving on the board, it's really biblically, uh, it has a great biblical foundation we're, we're providing a person the opportunity to be a part. And I know sometimes us in this business, we kind of chuckle sometimes when we, when we say that. We're like, well, this is a great opportunity. I mean, sometimes <laughs> we, I chuckle inside because I know the person on the other, other end sometimes is like, oh, yes, opportunity. That's a positive word for, oh, my goodness, I have to give of something. Uh, or, or would you help me with this big challenge? But 
I really do, I'm scripturally, I have found it is a great opportunity because God really calls us to the greater things by helping us to help others. And in turn, really, we are blessed. We are blessed uh, when, when we're able to give so much. So, so true. So, you know, I'm an avid believer in, in that contribution factor of giving and uh, and not giving with any expectation of, of, of anything in return, because the gift of giving is a gift within itself. You know, the fact that we are blessed to be in a position to help others that may not be in similar circumstances. Um, I believe that as a community, that we're only as strong as our weakest link. And if we have people that have fallen on hard times or people that are, are you know, found themselves in situations that they never thought they would find themselves in, if we can do our part to somehow help them, not necessarily to talk, you know, enable them, but to help them get back up on their feet, I would want to have that you know, if, if it were me. And, and I'll back up to what you were saying when we're talking about you know, in leadership and in, in sales. So when we talk about our, our entrepreneur community, we're all in sales. You know, if you don't tell somebody about your business or you don't tell somebody about all the gospel mission, who will, right? But I don't like sales. I don't sell. I help people. I add value and I make a difference. And that is how I get around the, the, the psyche of the sale word. And then you look at it and say, okay, well, if I'm selling something and I'm going out to a client and um, they say no, but are they really saying no or are they saying not now? Because not now sounds better than no. And in my world, a sales cycle for us could be 18 months, two years. It could be shorter, but that's what we plan for. So if I go into that client right now, they're not saying not, they're not saying no. They just won't, you know, they have a whole budget process. I came to them in the middle of their budgeting and they got to get to know me and we're building a relationship. So looking at it from a, I am here to add value to my clients. I'm here to help some way. And the, and the way that I do that is to offer my product or my service. And I am also going to be there for the long haul building relationship. And I think what I see in you is that you are, you're not transactional. We're, we're the same in so many ways. You're not transactional, you're relational. So you build relationships for ongoing relationship purposes, not for, hey, let's just you know, do this or contribute here or do this one thing. And I think that as a community, if we all learn those lessons, then I think we all come out on, on, on the other side of that and on, in a much better way. I'm so glad you said that because I can remember back from my team over, over 10 years in my last job and even here, um, a no does not mean that a person is upset. It doesn't mean they don't like us. It doesn't mean they don't like you. Uh, it feels personal, but it's, it's just, it's not now. Um, and I see that as an opportunity just to build that relationship for five years down the road. Right. I mean, I have literally seen things happen five years down the road. Uh, I, even since being here at Oliver Gospel, we changed, um, had a major banking relationship change. It wasn't because we were mad. It wasn't because we were unhappy. It, it had nothing to do with any of that. It was just a better move at the right time for certain needs that we had at this time. And I had, uh, and we had a Zoom call. It was during COVID. Um, a wonderful 
conversation with me and the two representatives from that bank. And we left that meeting that day with, we've had a great relationship all these years. And I hope that we can continue to have a good relationship in years to come. And, and I told him, I said, it's not the first time that I've been with the organization. We changed with a bank and then four years down the road, we were back with that bank. Um, and it doesn't mean that that bank gets upset and they've had a funding relationship with us for a couple of years. And then they determined not to do that just because we don't have a financial relationship. I, that's the beauty of it is when everyone just sees how we're all working together. Uh, I'm going to be that bank's uh, biggest uh, cheerleader. I have no reason not to. Exactly. And that's what I told him. I said, I'm a community collaborator. You're never going to see me do anything but uplift your organization. I love the word community collaborator. It, it, it really aligns with, with our mantra of synergy and how you, you again, you're leveraging your energy. So we, we first have to acknowledge our energy and what room, what energy we're bringing into the room. You know, I tell people all the time, you're responsible for the energy that you bring into the room. And if you bring positive energy, you're going to get positive energy. If you bring catabolic negative energy, and a lot of times people do that and they don't recognize that that's what they're doing. But when people respond to us, sometimes we have to really put ourselves in check and say, were they responding to my energy as far as what I did? Or were they just in a bad mood when I met them? So, you know, along those lines of being that community collaborator, you have built and are continuing to build this elaborate networking system. And I think that's phenomenal um, because that's gonna take our entire community a long way when we have people like you and, and the role that you're playing right now, um, being a collaborator and bringing people together so that at the end of the game, right, some of the people in our community that have the most need can be served. In addition to some people that may not necessarily have that same need. I mean, your, your collaboration will touch lives that may not need services from all of the gospel mission, but just might need to be in the same room and have a connection. And that is valuable. So I commend you on your net worth because you have really increased and, and grown your network here in Columbia, South Carolina, only after being here, how long? A year and a half. A year and a half. A year and a half. So I commend you on that. And I commend you and Oliver Gospel Mission on all that you have done or continue to do. So let's say a person wanted to support the Oliver Gospel Mission. Share with this audience ways that we can come in and support your efforts. Well, in the last year and a half, one thing that we did was we create created a new position called the Community Engagement Coordinator. So that title and action came, it birthed, it was birthed directly from our new mission statement, which is engaging and transforming lives together through the power of Christ's love. So the together part for me is a is one of the most important pieces in our mission statement, right in the center of it. Uh, and then it's followed by the, the other most important through the power of Christ's love. But the, the together, I always tell people, uh, is you, me, donor, volunteer, uh, politician, uh, mayor, uh, city councilman, county councilwoman, man, uh, 
local business uh, partners. Uh, in our case, we're downtown Columbia, the entire city center uh, uh, group that is a, a member of city center. Um, they send out those large emails to all of us that are that are more, uh, part of that group as hundreds of people. And sometimes they send out a word of to, to create some communication on a topic. Hey, what do you think about this? And what can we do about this? And I get to join in on those large conversations and, and have that community just with that downtown uh, uh, business partners. Um, and then as far as you said, how could a person give? Okay, so what does a community engagement coordinator? That's another fancy word for volunteer coordinator. So we have volunteerism now at Oliver Gospel. Uh, we, we, we had not really opened up our doors to the entire community before I came here. And so now you can go online, you can sign up on a portal, you can make yourself a, a volunteer, and you can actually then see places that you can volunteer at Oliver Gospel. Uh, so that's a form of giving and, and participating. And then obviously, uh, and giving as a, as a funder. So uh, where I really like for people to uh, be a partner with us, uh, and I've kind of come up with a new term that I've begun to use in the last few weeks, as a matter of fact, is a purpose partner. Uh, you won't see it on our inter internet or anything yet, but uh, our staff, we're kind of using that word, hey, uh, you could be a purpose partner with us. Uh, and the reason that I started talking about that terminology is I was thinking about it in regards to our coffee roastery that we have and how in the fall, as we move into the fall, we're wanting to really ramp up uh, and have as many community business church partners that would begin to buy our coffee at bulk. And, and then we, you know, you come by here and get it or we ship it to you or we deliver it to you. Uh, that. I would call a purpose partner because that's more than just buying coffee because all of the money that is goes into that coffee uh, comes back to Oliver Gospel. That's a purpose partner. Uh, I would even say when a person begins to be a, uh, a monthly donor, whether it's $10 or $30 or $100, that's an incredible way to really give with purpose, I think. Uh, to Oliver Gospel because we're on top of the donor's mind every month. And uh, what I have learned in this business also, it's, it's not good enough just to give, okay? Uh, there are faithful people that give a lot. May, they may give four times a year or several times a year or one big time a year. But it's when a donor is invited by the organization to lean in a little closer to know a little bit more about what we do and to feel like they're connected with it. Uh, maybe that's by volunteering at our thrift store a little more often or, uh, or even helping us at our, our coffee roastery. Uh, or we even have this happening now at Toby's Place and our men's center. Uh, we have community volunteers that have skills like you, I think you and I talked about this, Karen, and I told my uh, uh, director of transformation, Mindy, this is Karen is a person that has the skills that could come in to teach X, Y, Z. And we're having 
teachers and, and gifted people like you coming in so much now that we're actually have, are booked out several months <laughs> uh, in a lot of our classes. We were not doing that before. That is providing uh, value and real relationship building uh, to our donor. And, and actually some people uh, want to be a donor and they learn to be a donor that way first. They learn to, they get excited about volunteering or teaching or giving back in that way. And then it turns into them having a, a desire to really, to give financially. So, so two things, well, maybe three before we, before we close out. Um, give us the size. Where, where would we go to engage um, either as a partner, purpose partner, as a donor, uh, if we want to come in and volunteer time, where would we go to find out how we could engage? First, go to our website, which is the greatest place. They actually tell me to go to the websites <laughs> when I want to volunteer and sign up to uh, uh, do something. Uh, they actually told me that that's the best place for me to do it. So if it works for me, it works for everybody. Uh, you can go to olivergospel.org. And olivergospel.org, we've begun to make our website, uh, to update our website, uh, you know, every month to reflect really who we are. It has some new videos on it. Uh, there's a nice video that you can go on olivergospel.org. And in five minutes, that's all it'll take, five minutes. You, it's the one I showed you, Karen. Uh, it'll tell you everything up to date that we didn't get to answer in, in this interview. Uh, what we do, what all of our program programming is at our men's center and our women's center, how it works, uh, uh, what we do at our thrift store, what we do at our coffee roastery, and, and really what the, the vision is, our values, and our heart for everything that we do here. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely look to uh, go out to that website and, and connect in some way to support all that you and your team are doing to support our community. Um, I do look forward to our next time meeting up at the roastery. Uh, All the gospel mission just recently opened up an actual coffee shop that's actually a roastery. So what Travis was mentioning is that um, they actually roast their own beans. So you can purchase your beans and have them delivered or you can order them and pick them up and bring them to your office and support and 100% of the proceeds go back to supporting the mission. Uh, or you can go down there and host a meeting. They have a, a wonderful meeting space there. And if you want all these business meetings that you're having, come out safely and, and have a cup of coffee. Travis and I did, it was phenomenal. So I definitely look forward to our next one. So Travis, I think our, our audience got a, a small glimpse of how awesome you are and your levels of experience and just your heart. But I know that as leaders, we have to be fed too. And as professional leaders, when you talk about leading an organization, one thing I like to leave the audience with is to have our guests share with, with us, what sources, resources do you look to for your own professional inspiration, energy, and development? Yeah, I think you have to, you've always got to be pushing that envelope. Uh, and I think you can, as a leader, you go through seasons. You're, 
you push a little bit, you lean in, you read more, uh, you sit back a little bit, uh, you may get a little more complacent and you've got, you've got to keep stoking that fire. Okay. That's just being transparent. You got to, you got to keep stoking that fire because if you keep giving, 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 uh, then you're going to be dealing with the other thing that leaders have to deal with is burnout. Right. So, uh, so you have to feed yourself. I think that you have number one, uh, this isn't about a book to read, but I think you have to stay rested. <laughs> yes. I, I have learned that. Uh, my wife can tell you that now. Where some people look at me and see how driven I am, and you know they think that I just never stop thinking. I, I do think a lot, and I do plan a lot, and but that does not keep me up at night anymore. Uh, and some people might think that it does. It used to, maybe years ago. I've learned to balance that and harness that in. Um, I've, I've, and I'll tell you what, how I've learned to rest in that is that I've learned how to unleash your team members. You have to build a great team and then unleash your team members. Uh, but I'll get back to answering your question. But you do have to still keep reading. Um, I'm a person that I don't read real thick books. I, I don't like just pulling out every John Maxwell book off the shelf and try to read them all. Because let me just say this. I'll, I'll tell you like some good mentor friends of mine uh, in leadership have said, after a while, almost all those books say the same thing. Okay. Don't just try to read like 20 books, you know, this year or something. Um, that all kind of sound, after a while, they are kind of start. So try to find things that are different and different authors that are saying different things. Uh, there's a really good friend of mine. I mean, you can Google it. His, his book is on one of the bestseller lists right now. Uh, Deke Copenhaver, D-E-K-E Copenhaver. He's a former mayor of Augusta, Georgia. He's a friend of mine. He's an entrepreneur. He's I don't, about 45, 46 years old, cutting edge push the envelope, always thinking. And he has a fantastic book that won't be just like anything you'll pull off the, off the shelf today. It's from his personal experiences. It's called Changemaker. Changemaker. So we're all change makers, or we should be change makers. Uh, get it done, people. i tell you what, I, I read another little book, but fabulous. I, I would... Uh, recommend it to a person that's been in leadership forever down to a person that's 18 years old. Uh, it's uh, by an author called Kevin Lehman, L-E-M-A-N. It's called The Way of the Shepherd. The Way of the Shepherd. Small book. You can read it in a day or two days if you just skim it. It's a fabulous book. It's a little nugget of gold to be like, wow, why, didn't I, why hadn't I ever read that little book? Uh, and then obviously all the, you know, uh, the names of the shelves, if you walked across a, uh, or Googled or walked in a bookstore that you would see. Uh, I, and personally, in the year and a half, I've attended two, two John Maxwell leadership series. He was, because CIU uh, here in Columbia uh, brings him here every year. So uh, I've been able to go to two of those with him and, uh, and then another uh, large uh, leadership, entrepreneurship, uh, it was a, uh, it's, it's 
a global event uh, that goes on. And actually, my church, New Spring Church, hosted one of the rights to show the the event at their church, and they invited me to it. And, and so that was like, it was a three-day event, and it was really good, you know, where some of the best speakers in the country, uh, it, it, Dave's, Dave Ramsey's group puts its on, okay? Um, so all of that to say, don't unplug yourself as a lead, ever as a, uh, a learner of leadership, uh, but also learn from those around you, yeah. okay? It's not just all in the big conferences and, and, and the books that you read, but I try to learn from the people sitting in the room from me. I learn every day from Danielle that's sitting right near me right now. I think if you're a leader that is looking to learn, learn from those around you, you're going to be a strong leader. Don't just look to learn from the ones that are like older than you or your same age or, or don't think that I have anything to learn from the 28-year-old. I have a lot to learn. Some of the best lessons in life that I've gotten and I've become a strong leader by letting the ones that are younger than me help me with a new thinking process. Yeah, definitely. They see things in a different way. I need those. I'm hiring young people. Yeah, a diverse group, which is great. And and in our next session, we might even have a conversation around how to leverage that millennial talent, and then how to manage uh, multiple um, levels of, of of experience when you're talking about having a, a variety of people on your team that range from baby boomers to millennials, and how you make that happen. We may do that in our next session. So. I thank you so much, Travis, for taking time out of your busy schedule and sharing such awesome information with us. Uh, we definitely look forward to having you again and just thank you for being here. Thank you so much. And to our audience, thank you. I hope you've gotten so much out of this session as much as I did. And we look forward to seeing you in our next episode of Synergy Leadership. Thanks for listening to the Synergy Leadership Podcast with Karen R. Jenkins. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe, rate, review, and share our show. See you next time.